You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. Hope you're well. It's been a while between episodes. It just hasn't been a lot to promote, unfortunately, because of this bloody COVID thing, but you're about to listen to a conversation that I conducted with Ivar Bjornsson from Norway's Enslaved. Now, the reason for the chat with Ivar is my second conversation with him, but the catalyst this time around is the album from Enslaved that will be released on October 2nd, titled Utgard. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Utgard, Utgard. Anyway, here he is, Ivar Bjornsson. Hey, mate, how you going? Oh, good, man. How's the, uh, how's the interviews been going with us Aussie types, mate? Has it been going all right? <laughs> very well. You guys are very on time, uh, which is something you, sh- you should do, like classes for the European ones on, like, timing your interviews. Oh, is that right? Is it? Do you think I've often – I've had a few conversations with people about this. Because you're speaking in English, do you think that some people from some of these European countries – they don't have a good grasp of the language, so they're far too direct and they're just not polite in the way that they ask questions? No, not... That's... No, that might be, I think, maybe for an English band or American... Like an English-speaking band, but hmm. since we're also having English as a second language, um, I think we... And, and Norway, you know, if... You probably met when you talk to musicians; they've been around and talked to some people. But if you met a couple of these like Norwegian types that haven't been in touch with the world, mm-hmm. I think you would see a new, a new, new level of impoliteness. Uh, <laughs> that <laughs> incredible. Just this whole thing about like uh, please or thank you, whatever, is like totally alien to some of them when they go abroad. It's it can be quite quite amusing if we um, if we're somewhere eating in in the UK or something and there's like these Norwegian rednecks next there and they're trying to order a meal or whatever. <laughs> Norwegian <laughs> rednecks. I love the iconography there, mate. That's given me a new new perspective right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all got our things, but it's, it's, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, fair enough. Yeah, look, I've just finished uni actually and uh, there were, uh, you probably know, there's a bunch of people from Norway and I know, Sweden isn't Norway, but it's Scandinavia, and there's a bunch of people from, from Sweden down here as well. So we're quite attuned yeah. to the mentality, I've got to say. I, I probably would say that, particularly here in Queensland, in terms of Scandinavia, and I'm going to lump Scandinavia into Europe here, but in terms of Europeans, I'd say that there are almost more Scandinavians, Dutch, and uh, Scandinavians and Dutch in Queensland than there are any other types of Europeans outside of the Brits. So I think we've, we've got a bit of an insight already. Uh, I've certainly done plenty of classes with Norwegians, actually. And, yeah, it's always it, it always uh, impressed me how polite the Norwegians were, but also smart as well, like just not dumb. I don't think I've met a dumb Norwegian, I've got to tell you, which is why your, uh, your, your redneck comment was so uh, hilarious to me. Yeah, we're hiding them up, up here, man. <laughs> well, they, they can stay there, man. We only, we only want to get people like you and the people that I've met. There you go. So, mate, I, I better kick things off. But I'll, before I do, mate, how much time have we got? Have we got about 20 minutes or so? Yep, exactly. Sweet. Okay. Look, uh, Utgard sounds like yet another worthy album from Enslaved. But it's actually a 15th, which I find amazing because when you think about the odds stacked against any band, 
yet alone a black and Viking metal group from Norway. You'd think that you wouldn't make it this far, but you've done it against the odds. So I must ask, do you feel a sense of relief or is it a sense of accomplishment that the public will finally hear Utgard on October 2nd? It feels like um, like an accomplishment, and it feels it feels very good, man. To to be honest, we've we're so proud of this album, uh, and it's a new, yeah, two fifths at least, uh, more or less new lineup, mm. uh, and the way that the band has navigated through through that and come out as a very unified group. Um, everyone is really, I think, shining on this album. And okay, it was supposed to be released on May the second, but it got postponed in October, which is what—it's nothing. Mm. I think we have bands all over the world who got uh, the tour cancelled as they were. I know actually, for some reason, I know two bands, three bands that landed in the U.S. Um, had to go back Shit. Um, mm. at the beginning of their U.S. tours. You know, we're speaking. The losses. Uh, one thing is the financial stuff, but like the blow that those guys must have felt being dealt at that moment must have been really, really bad. We avoided all that stuff. We we have been doing the promo. Uh, the, the, the media and the fans have been really, really uh, interested and, and set aside a lot of time to uh, to um, hear what we have with this album. And the fifteenth album, yeah, that aspect is really weird. It didn't really strike me before it started being mm. written, and I didn't think about it for some reason. Um, I guess I lost I lost a little bit track after number ten. It didn't really make make. Um, it doesn't really, yeah, it's too abstract in a sense, you know, mm. because it's, it sounds like a really old band, which I guess we kind of are relatively old, but in the same sense, we really feel that we're still in that forward momentum that we've been all the way. It's it's never been about looking backwards. We're playing the old songs live. They feel much like the, the new ones. It's all a, a constant movement um, for us and, and getting this level of, of uh, attention and, and uh, recognition is, is uh, it's very inspiring, I have to say. Mm. You do move forward. You are a progressive band in, a, in, a, in the true sense of the word. And uh, let's talk about the killer track, Homebound. It's probably my favourite cut from the album. And the intro riff, and take please do take this as a compliment, it could be used by Billy Idol or Journey or, or any one of these massive rock bands out there. So is that a riff that you've had for a while and you've just been waiting for the right moment to unleash it? Um, it it did appear uh, within within this writing cycle, yeah. Mm. But I wanted to. It, it was very immediate. I knew what kind of riff I wanted to have there to open the song, um, and for me, yeah, I, I agree. I like those bands that you mentioned. I like the the sort of the big rock mm. uh, vibe and the big rock sound. Billy is is cool and all that. But for me, the inspiration was. A little bit also a nod backwards to the trash idols that I had when I started playing the guitar mm-hmm. uh, around uh, electric guitar around nine ten years old. Those kind of riffs, like the open string chugging, it was just something that was so 
important when I got into that. Like one, it felt so energetic. This 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 kind of vibe, um, and it was really uh, felt really good to to go back there in a sense and just do it. It's simple. It's um, it's effective and it's energetic and it's a really good way of opening song. Mm, I definitely agree on that. And look, something else about Utgard, and I've watched your video there that was released by Nuclear Blast. I love the way they're doing so many of those sorts of things these days. But you talked about Utgard as a coward's concept album. So look, I do host a podcast series, so many people listening. They may not have seen your video on YouTube discussing discussing the subject. So, can you explain the concept? <laughs> yeah, what I meant there was that we've we've done a bunch of uh, we always ended up talking about that on the previous albums that we have. Mm. Not all the way concept albums; they're thematic albums, but it's not like an entire story. And that's that's why I came up with the term like a coward's concept album would be a thematic album which we've done a bunch of and this and this time we decided to go all the way for the like the what we consider to be the the, the full-on concept album where there is a storyline from the beginning to the end not necessarily moving in in any sort of uh, straight <clears throat> time space line forward like not person a going from there on the map to the other place on the map like that but it's it's all taking place in one environment. It's all dealing with one concept, and, and it's the same characters that's sort of being followed or narratives throughout the album. Uh, and that concept is Utgard, which is in the title, and which is in Norse mythology, um, the, the stronghold of the giants outside of the land of the gods. The land of the gods we've seen in a bunch of Marvel movies the last few years. Uh, Asgard, you know, these wonderful halls. And and, and bountiful lands around where the known <clears throat> popular gods from Norse mythology, Odin, Thor, uh, and all these. And Loki is a figure that's also quite well known in, in popular culture. Yep. He's the one that keeps slipping in and out of these lands. He has some secrets out of Asgard and into Utgard. He has connections there. Um, it's implied in, in mythology that his mother uh, is probably a giant that <clears throat> that one of these gods uh, might have had relations with, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is, is, is a journey into those land, Utgard, because it's something that's it's feared, revered by the gods because they cannot they can pretty much control everything in, in the universe. Um, and they play a lot with, you know, the man of the world of man and so on. But the world of the giants, the Utgard is uncontrollable. It's chaotic, but it also has um, limitless potential. Uh, it has magical weapons. It has magical uh, beings and so on. And, and lots of things that the, the gods sort of desire, but they cannot uh, control it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that tend sort of makes it even more potent, I guess. And, and and this is also used in, in or spoken about in psychology as a metaphor cool. yeah. uh, for the conscious versus the unconscious. Um, and, and that they are sort of codependent, but in, in some kind of, um, there's, there's a tension that needs to be resolved in a sense, you know, they cannot be unified. You cannot, if you open your 
conscious mind to the content from the the chaos of the unconscious you, you go you know that's when you're mad, you're mad and we have diagnosis for people who, who live in that state mm-hmm. yeah. which is but the op, the other option of just shutting it out and denying its existence of these sort of primal urges and and weird thoughts is also not not healthy so it's about that balance and and to find that balance you need to know what is in there and that's what the album is about yeah balance is something no that's that's awesome they're great insight and balance is something that we all need to pay attention to particularly in these uh bloody weird covid environments that we're all sort of struggling and surviving through at the moment because of course you can't tour you can't travel but you have done plenty of videos and of course you're doing interviews with people like myself over Skype and over Zoom, but were you apprehensive? And I know the album's already been delayed, but was there any apprehension at all? And you may have touched on it, I think, a little bit earlier there, but about releasing the album during the pandemic, because the reality is, particularly in the major markets across Europe, Germany, France, the UK, and the big one, the United States, God knows when they're going to be open again, and you guys truly shine in the live arena. So were you concerned about releasing an album when you couldn't support it in the live arena? Yeah, you know, we, we thought about it, but there's no, not really an option, I think. We can't, mm. we can't sort of um, stop because, because of that. Uh, and it doesn't make... Um, you know, it's, it will be the same as we, we've been through when, when uh, it shifted from a physical market to a digital market. And some bands sort of like totally uh, the claws out and, and, and try to stop it and they got furious and they, some even stopped playing you know because the, the, they yeah. thought it was like the, the, it died or whatever for us it's all about being sort of then you have to find a different solution you know if, if you're not making enough albums from from um, enough money from um, selling albums and you know touring within a reasonable um, you know uh, amount then you have to find some other work on on the side and do mm. you know we've never been straight to that and and now that sort of that stuff is sort of leveling out and we found a good balance and now COVID comes along and the, and the live thing shuts down okay then we do some digital things and and those have always been ways to to get the music out there and so no not really concerned about it more like we felt really lucky that the album was done that we were able to to sort of launch it. Uh, and we feel that we're really one of the lucky lucky ones, and we're doing the best out of the situation. If this means whatever territory is not doing as well because we can't support it with the tour, well, so be it. You know, it was that was the year. Everything was shut down, and we we kept going, and then we, we'll see how it pans out. Right now, we're, we're more we're more concerned with being uh, <laughs> feeling the privilege of of getting all this attention. Uh, with with the launch of the album, than to be bummed out by not playing live. Yeah, you've always had killer releases. Yeah, so look, I've got to ask. I'm going to continue down this COVID path just for one more question at least. But um, look, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Do you think it's an opportunity? Because I'm I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I'll say that up front. I think it's real. But do you think it's an opportunity for some governments to say catastrophize and introduce a raft of laws and measures designed to control citizens, or do you think that? by telling people to stay home and closing businesses for the duration of the pandemic, that that was actually the right move? I have no idea, to be honest, because I, I can't really... I, just illustri- We've talked about Norway and Sweden. Sweden mm. is a good example of yeah. that. Mm. How, how much um, 
bad press they were getting from their keep stuff open uh, policy. And now people are like, oh, maybe Sweden was doing the right yeah, thing. Maybe Norway was it. Yeah. yeah, why is Norway? Now Germany is getting all these protesters and uh, I don't know, people are doing the anti-mask thing. Like Then, then I guess... I see their point, but then maybe they should be protesting, you know, the traffic light system also, because that's also <laughs> putting a lot of restrictions freedom. Uh, so I think, sadly, I think, yeah, governments, a lot of, and, and they're not all the same, but they will use a lot of the, the opportunities they get, they will use for whatever ambitions they have. And I think those ambitions are, it's pretty clear that that's not driven by uh, some warm, fussy thought about how every every man and woman's lives mm. are 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 for the best. You know, it's um, I think we're beyond that point, uh, and, and I have no idea which which um, strategy was the best. Mm. I like your point, though. The governments use whatever they've got available to them at the time, and. There's another point around that, which I think it was uh, Churchill that said that uh, never waste a good crisis. And I think there's a there's a government here in Australia, a state government here in Australia, the Victorian government that's definitely doing that, has uh, something in the vicinity of 5 million people in, in extreme lockdown, like level, I think they're global levels, meaning that if I say level four lockdown, it's the same as what it is in Australia as what it is in the US, as in Norway, but people can't even leave their homes for longer than two hours a day at the moment. And... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's incredible to think about the lengths that uh, governments have gone to restrict the outbreak, so to speak, but there's a, there's a lot of pushback happening at the moment saying, at what price is too great, if you like? And I mean, I know you're in a band, but you're a musician and you tour. You, you meet people. You, you're, a, you're not necessarily a citizen of Norway anymore. You're a citizen of the world because of the volume of touring that you've done. So you've seen things and you, you get what people are like in all corners of the globe and at the end of the day, mate, none of us like to have our movements restricted, especially for this length of time. And uh, with so many elections coming up, state elections here in Australia, and of course the big one, the United States election, the presidential election there, mate, I just I pray for our friends in the United States, brother, I can tell you, because I think either way there's just going to be absolute chaos. Yes. It's it's rigged for a uh, bad ending in uh, in both cases, I think. Um, which is which is very sad for uh, our friends in the U.S. Mm. And I think I think we're seeing uh, the consequences now of this sort of this when politics and everything has just become sort of a everything is against something. Everything is a protest in a sense. Yeah. Uh, everything's a reaction against something, and and then at some point you just lose track of what is at what is anything for anymore. Um, and and that's. Yeah, that's that's going to be a challenge, to say the least. You're a smart fella. Yeah, God, you've what you've said then is uh, you've articulated many of my thoughts. I've got to say, so, mate, I better leave it there, so as so you can get to the next one. I hope it's um, I hope that the phone grind, as I call it, is kind to you, mate. You've got an extraordinary album here. I hope it does for you what you want it to do for you and reaches the ears of impressionable listeners and also old fans. You know, the new fans are always good because they come in and support the band moving forward. But, mate, you're the same age as I am. That's what I can't believe. You're 42 years of age. And, uh, mate, the way you're going, mate, you've got another 15 releases in you. So congratulations on everything thus far. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. No worries, brother. Excellent. All right, hopefully talk to you again in another couple of years. <laughs>
on the road. No worries, Someday. brother. Thanks a lot. Catch ya. Take care. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that one. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series, and that was a chat with Ivar Bjornsson from Enslaved. Thanks so much for listening.